One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Kylie Camps, and welcome to the podcast. This space is dedicated entirely to making a difference in the lives of women. I believe we all have a right and a responsibility to truly live our best lives. It all begins with curiosity, changing our thinking and cultivating more self-love. Through thoughtful conversations and shared experiences, I really hope that you can take something away from this podcast. I'm a business owner, a speaker, a sleep consultant and mum of twin boys. I've also recently completed some training in the cognitive behavioral therapy space and I'm super, super passionate about the ability that we all have to really improve our days. And ultimately, when we take ownership of improving our days, we're really improving our whole life. So let's get stuck into today's episode. Welcome to episode 61. Today's podcast is a conversation with a woman who I have known for years now, and that woman is Alia. Alia is the owner of Show Off Hair Extensions here on the Gold Coast. And what I love most about Alia, other than her beautiful salon, is the fact that she is so open and honest with her journey from not actually being technically qualified in the hairdressing space to owning one of the Gold Coast's most successful salons with a really, really big, well-known reputation for over-delivering in the hair extension department. Now, this chat is not a chat just about hair. In fact, it's hardly a chat about hair at all. It's much more a fact, a chat, excuse me, about a woman who saw an opportunity in the market and went for it. So I hope you really enjoy this conversation I had with Alia. Thank you so much for making time in your busy life to sit down and chat with me today. I'm really, really excited for it because I know that when you shared your journey at one of our events, so many of our guests were able to take really, really valuable information from you. And I'm fortunate enough to know you in the real world as well as online. And you have been successfully in the space of having a hair business for over a decade and it's taken many different evolutions and some twists and turns and I can't wait to explore that but before we do I'd love to know about you growing up were you entrepreneurial as a child as a teenager did having a business kind of you know was it in your blood when you were younger uh, first of all, I just want to say thank you so much for having me on the podcast, Kylie. Um, sometimes I kind of pinch myself how I end up in situations like this. And I do forget that, yeah, it has been almost a decade since I've had this business, but it's kind of just feels like it's gone in a blink of an eye sometimes. <laughs> but um, I would say, yes, I was like quite entrepreneurial or I liked the idea of business as a child. Probably didn't realize it at the time, but one of my earliest memories um was we went on a family holiday to noosa and i saw a lady doing like these hair wraps um you know those hippie sort of things where they wrap the cotton around your hair <laughs> yes of course I, they still do them 
Yeah, I think they do them in surface or something like that. I've seen a lady doing it. Well, I thought that was absolutely awesome at the time. And when we got back home, there was like a local market on a Sunday and I begged my mum at 12 years old to get me a market stall. And she did. And I practiced with her cotton at home and um, yeah, I went there one Sunday. <laughs> and um, I, I was advertising my little hair ups. I think I might have got one, maybe two customers. And I think it was maybe because they felt sorry for me, this little 12-year-old <laughs> girl. But I did it. And I, and like, I think right then I saw the magic of I can like provide a service and a product and like I can get money for this. <laughs> that value exchange yeah and like I think another thing I probably did when I was younger was like trying to have barbie sales out the front of my house like you know I was like what do I have an oversupply of that I can sell for money and put signs up around the neighborhood and stood out the front with all my barbies so yeah I definitely think there was that um entrepreneurial spirit from the very start for me yeah, I always find it so fascinating just when I'm speaking to women who are in business now to really reflect because it's something that I have only, you know, recently I sort of wrote down my story a little bit and I was like, wow, I kind of had forgotten that I was the same, you know, like I was always ready to sell my toys when I was over them and I was always, you know, knocking on people's doors with a bucket and a sponge saying, you know, can we wash your car for $4 or whatever it is? And you just kind of, I think that often when you end up having a business later in life and you reflect, you do realize it kind of is in your DNA. So that's really cool to think that you were there wrapping hair in cotton and now a decade <laughs> later, still going strong in the hair industry, but you know, you, you've evolved somewhat. Yeah. Who would have thought like totally, cause there was a big period of my life where I had absolutely nothing to do with hair. And, you know, as you know, I'm not a qualified hairdresser. I don't have any qualifications in this field other than being a customer of hair extensions and in the hair, you know, salon for a long time. Yeah, which I think was so amazing when you shared that at our event, just speaking about the fact that so many women do feel like they are held back because they might not have the perfect, you know, resume of qualifications. So they put that boundary there and say, no, I'm not going to explore this when really that's just a self-imposed boundary. Totally. And yeah, we're, we're sort of like, um, you know, in, in the own prison of our mind when it comes to that, like we're the ones holding ourselves back. It's not everyone else saying you can't do this because you don't have this qualification. And once you realise that, you kind of realise that the possibilities are endless if you want to put your mind to it. Absolutely. And, of course, there are certain jobs and industries where you need to have that qualification and that piece of paper, but there are so many other paths that aren't always linear. And I guess, you know, I'd love to know more about your path to where you are so what sort of jobs did you have growing up oh gosh <laughs> uh everything and anything I think I had my hand in in everything I didn't finish high school I left school pretty early uh, I think I got my school certificate I was from New South Wales and um then I just wanted to get out into the workforce and start earning my own money and feeling like and like a grown-up I guess so I think I worked in my very first job I remember was working in like a price attack or hair house warehouse type place, just being a little retail assistant selling hair products. Once again, how funny is that hair product? That's <laughs> been a um, consistent theme. <laughs> I know, but I didn't even realise it at the time. And, um, you know, then I was um, in retail for a long time. I worked in teddy bear shops, toy shops, clothing stores. Um, I think I was a waitress for a while. You definitely don't want me serving your food. Um, I'm hopeless <laughs> at that. <laughs> um 
you know, all those sort of retail type jobs. And then um, when I moved out of home, I got a job doing like door-to-door sales of mobile phones and mobile phones were still relatively new back then. Um, and that really gave me a lot of confidence having to deal with the rejection of knocking on someone's door and getting told to go away. Um, and then I did a whole big stint from there in like the telecommunications industry, working in mobile phone stores. And I don't know, I must've really had a thing for mobile phones. I just found them interesting because they were ever evolving at that point. There was definitely no iPhones back then. Um, and then that led me into call centers, which I really enjoyed because I mean, it's no surprise here, as you know me, I love to talk. So talking on the phone came naturally to me. And I did quite well in there and, um, you know, became a team leader and, and, you know, really kicked some goals there. Um, But then like anything in my life, especially when it came career-wise, as soon as I get good at something and I feel like I've mastered it, it becomes really boring to me um, and I become restless and I kind of stop trying in a way. So it never really worked for me being an employee (laughs) because once I became really good and they're like, oh, she's an overachiever. She's so good at this. Once I got the award or, you know, reached that goal, then I'd just go downhill. (laughs) Yeah. So you hit like a pinnacle and kind of, I guess too, sometimes depending on the company you're working in, when you are an employee, it does feel like you have that ceiling you know, that you hit that ceiling and then that's it. There's no further you can go. There's no higher on the ladder that you can climb. And I think it's really interesting hearing you speak about the different roles that you've had because whilst they're all different, you touched on it. You said that knocking door to door and selling phones was so valuable to you because it taught you about the power of rejection and, you know, dusting it off and going to the next house and knocking on the next door. And that is such a valuable skill when you do have your own business. Oh, definitely. Like, yeah, I, I'm so glad and I would encourage my children one day to definitely like try a lot of different jobs while you're young so that you can gain different skills. Like everything that I do today in my business and what I teach my staff, um, obviously I, I, you know, I, I get coaching now from a business coach and different things, but all those little bits and pieces I picked up in my earlier years working those different jobs, I still use today. Um, and I still remember the lessons that I learned. Definitely. Yeah. You take a little bit and carry it on with you. So I love that. And now if you can bring us to how and when the business started and I guess the first iteration and what that looked like for you. Okay, so uh, this is kind of how the story goes. I, I'm i from Sydney originally and I moved to the Gold Coast, oh, God, so it'd be at least 11 or 12 years ago now. And when I moved to the Gold Coast, there wasn't much in the way of job prospects, especially for someone like myself, although I had, like, a lot of retail experience, call centre experience. The job market isn't as big up here like it is down, on the, um, down in Sydney. So uh, I really struggled to find any sort of full-time job and anything that was going to provide me with the kind of money that I wanted. So I took a part-time job like at a Nokia repair centre fixing mobile phones and that still wasn't enough hours for me. So then I had just recently got an RSA. I went and handed my resume out in Surface Paradise um, on the Gold Coast and I ended up getting a call back from... This sounds funny to say it now, but like from an exotic dancing establishment 
um, or in single joint. Terms, <laughs> joint, yes, that's that's the you know single terms that's way of putting thing, it. Yeah. Um, and uh, you're probably thinking, why is she talking about she worked in a strip club and what's this got to do with her opening a hair extension business? But we're getting there. Um, so basically, I was working these two jobs. I was going from really geeky guys during the day in a repair center, tech heads, to my night job working with like all sorts of different beautiful women um, who, you know, most of them just like your average everyday girl, like they're either studying at uni or they were single moms, you know, it's not as glamorous or as seedy as what you would think it would be. Um, And all this while I was working these two jobs, um, I was sort of thinking I can't do this forever, but what am I going to do? And I felt quite stuck at that point too because I definitely wanted to stay living on the Gold Coast, but I couldn't keep up you know, working all night and then going to my day job. And one sort of theme that was happening while I was living on the coast was um, I had been getting hair extensions for a long time living down in Sydney. And when I moved to the coast, I searched high and low to find anybody that could do them the way that I was getting them done down there. Um, And I tried many different places and they had tapes and beads and the method that we do in my salon, which I had, which is the, the sew-in-weave method, there was nowhere up here that could do it and the ones that could kind of doing it were doing it horribly. And so I was flying back down to Sydney to get my hair done by my extension lady who I held very dear and I had a really good relationship with after going there for so many years. Um, and when I was working in the strip club, the girls would always say to me, oh, my God, you're so lucky you have the best hair. And I would like, oh, do I tell them? And then, you know, me being me, I, I can't help but tell people things. And I was like, you're kind of an open book. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Which actually, uh, while I, while I yeah. say that you're an open book, when you were working at the exotic dance venue at the strip club, you were serving alcohol. Is that you were a waitress? Uh, okay, or? yeah. So let's touch back on that because I think I might have skipped over. I wasn't actually a dancer, guys. And I often That's what say, I was trying to get around <laughs> to. I'm like, I know that you weren't, but I just want you to clarify that. Let's just, just in clarify. case it's important to you. <laughs> yeah, not that there's anything wrong with that. A lot of those girls went on to be my clients in the salon, still are. Some of them became friends and there's totally nothing wrong, but it's not the path I took. And I often say... You know, the manager at the time was like, you know, you'd make a lot more uh, money if you hopped up on the other side of the stage. And I was like, oh, it's just not for me. Could have taken a totally different path. Show off might not exist. But, yeah, so my job (laughs) there was as a hostess. So, basically, I would manage the girls um, and a totally different form of sales than I was used to. But I would, in a way, I would line up the lap dancers for the, you know, the young drunk guys and say, you know, you like blondes, you like brunettes, this is your girl. And I would liaise to make the lap dance happen and the money exchange. And yeah, so that's what I was doing there. I was also working the front door and reception, taking the money, a whole bunch of different things, but no, I was never on the stage. Sorry, guys. (laughs) Just wanted to clear that up just in case. Yeah, thanks for that. That's okay because I just thought, yeah, we just kind of skimmed over that. But yeah, yeah. The, the, girl, the ladies that were working there had asked you, yes, what, yeah, mentioned your hair. Yes, so they were asking about my hair and, like, how amazing it was. And, like, as I said, I'm an open book, so I couldn't help it. I'm like, I can't keep this to myself. I'm like, girls, these are hair extensions. And they were always like, no way. Like, we have thought this whole time that that's your hair. Like, it just looks so natural and real. Like, show us how are they done. And it was 
kind of around that time that that started happening a lot um, at the club and also just with people that I would meet that like, you know, a little light started, like a light bulb started to go off in my head. Like, well, I can't find decent hair extensions on the Gold Coast. I can't find a, you know, a decent salon. Um, All these girls are saying to me, they can't believe they look so natural. And, you know, like, trust me, working in that club, I saw a lot of bad hair extensions <laughs> um I believe I, you yes and and funny stories like girls would be you know doing their thing on stage and like a, a, a microbead hair extension no offense to girls that still get them would go flying across the stage and I'd be like oh girl so you know there was definitely a, a need for someone to create like the type of hair extensions that I was used to getting on the coast and that's when I started thinking well Maybe I could start researching, I could start Googling and finding out where I could maybe get hair from and more about the technique and, like, there's a possibility here that I could start something. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, that's kind of... The seed was kind of planted. Yes, yes. And, um, I mean, it it sounds like it all happened a lot quicker than what it did, but I spent, like, a good year... um, searching the internet, speaking to suppliers overseas, getting hair samples sent, um, being a guinea pig myself, making my friends be guinea pigs for me, testing out different hair, you know, looking for people that could actually do the technique that I wanted or they had some some sort of skills but I could tweak it to the way that I thought it should be done. Um, and it, it really just started off as a hobby, I guess, in my kitchen at home with, with friends that I knew, um, trying out this hair and you know the the results were good the girls were liking it I mean there was a lot of bad results in the beginning like a lot of hair that wasn't what it was supposed to be you know I was getting hair from Brazil from India from China from Russia and you know and sometimes you know it wouldn't be what they said it was going to be and you'd get ripped off but eventually after about 12 months I found a supplier that I was quite happy with Um, I'd had friends of mine wearing the hair extensions for me for a decent period of time and I was wearing them and it was all looking good. And so those friends of mine started telling their friends and then it it turned more from a hobby into like a home business. Yeah. And so often that's how the best business ideas come to us is because it's scratching our own itch. It's going, you know what, this is actually a real pain in the butt for me to go down to Sydney or to spend all this time trying to find someone who can do it, so let me create it. And, you know, that's just often how businesses will begin. And so you move from the hobby to then having it as a home business. During that stage, obviously sourcing the hair and sourcing staff that could work in with you would have been really challenging. Were there, were there any other really hard parts of getting the business off the ground there or do you feel as though like once word of mouth started spreading, it became very apparent to you that there was definitely a need for this? Uh, there was probably some challenges at the start. Obviously, you know, not having a whole lot of money behind me to have as much stock as what I would have liked. So managing that maybe, um, not having a professional salon set up in the home. Mind you, a lot of the girls were just so happy to get hair extensions in their head. They didn't care that they were sitting in my kitchen with the sliding door off my mirrored um, wardrobe as the mirror. <laughs> like I they weren't that. really caring about the surroundings. They were just like, I'm getting these hair extensions and they look so natural and they're like nothing I've ever had before and I've got longer, thicker hair. But 
yeah, just probably the challenges of trying to run a business from home without having the proper setup. Um, and also like probably in the early stages, finding like I had one girl working with me, like a staff member that was reliable, that could do the job um, was a little bit tricky. But once I had found that person, we built quite a, a good relationship and she went on to work for me for a, like a couple of years. So yeah, just all, yeah, all those sorts of things that happen with a startup, like not having enough money to probably have the amount of stock that I wanted and not having the proper tools and set up. But that came no, like not too far after, which was good. So there was, it just, you know, it just took off. Like girls would tell girls and then I'd be getting phone calls and I'd be like, how did you hear about me? And then, oh, this lady I met at the supermarket had hair extensions. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, like they're just coming from everywhere now. Word of mouth is such a powerful advertiser. Um, and yeah, when you have loyal clients, they are, they're your best form of spreading your message. So I love that. And I think it's also really important to reiterate the fact that when you do begin a business, it's, you know, sure, it would be great if everything was perfect. And, you know, you open the doors to a fresh brand new salon and you kicked it off like that. But often you have to start somewhere. And for those women listening who have an idea, starting somewhere and it not being perfectly perfect is is fine like that's a great place to start you know like you said you might not have had the money to go and get a brand new mirror and a chair set up but you did what you could with what you had and that was a stepping stone in the right direction so for how long did you have the business operating from your home and then how did you move to an actual salon location um I was just going to say too, Kylie, a really perfect example of that that reminded me of, of you not needing things to be perfect and everyone starts somewhere is uh, just recently um, on the weekend I went to an event and my sister happens to be really good friends, hate to be a name dropper, but she's really good friends with the fashion designer Camilla that has all the Camilla brand in stores. And yep. she literally started 15 years ago down at Bondi Markets with her little samples of her prints and her clothing and, you know, like now she's got this multi-million dollar empire but she started like all of us start, you know, just from, you know, our garage. One little action. Totally. Yeah. Um, so, sorry, as you were saying, how did you say how long until we got into the salon? Yeah, so how did you move from your kitchen at home with your mirror door um, <laughs> into an actual salon? Okay, so I think it was about a good 18 months of slowly building the business word of mouth. Uh, Facebook was a big uh, thing for us back then. It was before Instagram had really taken off. Um, and it kind of evolved to the point where, you know, I was having four or five girls a day coming to my home and it was, you know, it was kind of taking over the kitchen. It was taking over the lounge room. My boyfriend at the time was, you know, some days he was happy that there was all these attractive women, like, or just women in general in his house. And other days I think he'd feel quite awkward and annoyed about it. So I was kind of seeing that there was a need there to have a more professional setting to claim the house back. And also because a lot of our clients, because I'm not a hairdresser and neither was the girl that was working with me, although she was great with extensions as well, they were needing to go to their, their hairdresser to sometimes, you know, get a colour in between, um, get a style or a cut, all those sorts of things. So I was like, we need a one-stop shop for our clients. And they were asking for it too. Like, don't you have a hairdresser that could come on this day so they could do this for my hair? Um, and some of the girls that were coming were actually hairdressers as well. They had heard about us. 
but never seen this technique and they were coming to get extensions. So I actually asked one of my clients at the time who was a hairdresser if she wanted to come and start working with us sometimes. And she was like really excited about the idea because she wasn't too happy where she was working. And, you know, I'd started to save up a bit of money by then, put it in, putting it away in the kitty, being able to uh, order more stock. And um, I started talking with my boyfriend at the time. I'm like, I really think that I need to, you know, move into a salon and have a more professional space. And he's like, well, why don't you just start having a look? So I did. So that was, yeah, about 18 months after we'd initially started as what I would call a proper business from home. And I found a space in Burley Waters and he had friends that were tradies and he's like, let's just like, just do it. You know, you've got the clients, just do it. I'll help you fit it out. Um, And yeah, that's how my salon started in, in Burley Waters about 18 months after. And we, we did a fit out and you know, I had this, it's so crazy because before I even had that salon, I had this vision in my mind of what this salon was going to look like and I guess feel like. And when it was all said and done, it was exactly how I pictured it was going to be, which was really cool. Um, at the time, I thought it was a really cool idea. Looking back, not so much. But at the time, everyone loved it. I had a hot pink. I don't know if you started coming. We still had that. A hot pink velvet wall behind our front desk like that that buttoned type um yes I did like quilted yes like quilted with diamond buttoning that I ordered from the US I thought that was so cool and it was hot pink velvet because that was very like hot pink was very in at that time and that really over the top glitzy sort of look um and that's what I pictured in my mind and I all the things I'd pictured that my salon would have it it had and it looked like which was like a really surreal moment for me when I walked into the salon for the first time after we'd got it all ready for clients. Um, But the craziest thing was in the, in the midst of organizing my hot pink diamond button wall and all the things I wanted, somehow we forgot about putting an air conditioner in there. And you know what the Gold Coast weather is like, and we opened in August. um, And even then it was really warm and we had a salon full of clients and we're all looking around going, Oh my God, it's so hot. And then it dawned on me that we totally forgot to put an aircon unit in. So for the first two weeks, <laughs> we were grabbing fans from everywhere. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just crazy when you don't, you know, first-time business owner and having, like, and fitted out a salon. It's just such an example of learning as you go. And just listening to you speak, it sounds like you really are in tune with hearing and noticing gaps in the market. So at first noticing, okay, there's no one doing this type of extension, which we should probably extend on extend on the type of extension so that people <laughs> understand <laughs> such a dad joke um so that people understand why it is so unique but you saw that gap and then you te- you took an action and then you were listening to your clients saying that there's another pain point of having to go to two places to get their hair done so you took an action and you had a vision for your salon so it seems to me like you do have I guess an intrinsic motivation to take actions. And I would just love to know, is that connected to you having that vision and that kind of manifesting mindset, which I know that you do have, is that what you believe pushes you forward to take an action? Or is there something else that, you know, where do you get your confidence from, I guess, to keep taking that little leap? Uh, blind faith in the universe. No. Um, sometimes I think like a little bit of ignorance is bliss. 
Like if you're too overqualified sometimes or you know too much about a subject, it can actually stunt you and hold you back because you'll overthink about things. So, and I find that now as a business owner, sometimes knowing too much is not a good thing. Whereas back then I was like, I have this idea, people want it, like it's going to work. Um, but also like, as you said, I am big into like the law of attraction, manifesting, visualization. Um, I think just before I opened my salon or around the time I started my business, The Secret, the book The Secret was really big back then. And um, I had read it for the first time and watched the DVD and I was quite inspired by that. But I think without even realising I'd also been sort of manifesting and visualising things in my life for a really long time, like even moving to the Gold Coast, I had pictured myself doing that. Um, But it definitely gives you the confidence to yeah like you said take action because if you I believe if you can see it in your mind then you know there's a very good possibility that you can make these things happen and you know but you do have to take the action like you know as I said like I started googling and searching for the hair and then I started experimenting with people that I knew and then it was like well girls are saying that they want somewhere to get a color and a more professional salon so let's give that a go um yeah so but I do think having those tools that I get from, you know, practicing the law of attraction and manifestation do help push you forward. Oh, hundred percent. One of my all time favorite quotes to think about is the fact that every single thing that exists has happened in creation at least twice. You create it in your thoughts and then you create it in reality. So understanding that for something to physically exist, you have to create it in thought first. Totally. Like a, th- a thought repeated over and over becomes a belief. So, oh, yeah, so you can powerful. either choose good and positive thoughts or you can choose those negative ones, which we don't want. But definitely like, yeah, picturing that salon, picturing like how I was going to feel and how that salon was going to look and how the customer's faces were going to be like smiling when they finished the service. I saw all of that in my head first. Mm, I love that. And I also remember something that you shared at an event which was a real light bulb moment for a lot of our guests was a quote surrounding do you know what quote I'm talking about yes definitely and I I can you share that use that all the time for people which um and I still live by it that there's people out there that are less qualified than you doing what it is you want to do just because they believed in themselves and like and I'd like to add to that and took action you know, yeah. so you don't need all the qualifications. You just need that that little bit of belief in yourself to push you forward, to take the action. And you'll mm. be surprised how easily things can start falling into place. That's it. I'm such a big fan of taking an action. And it's something that I've said a hundred times and I'll say it again, is that when you take an action and when you take an action, you build evidence. And then when you build evidence, you start to build confidence and self-belief. So little steps add up, which was kind of the other question that I wanted to ask you while we were here is what would be your advice for women wanting to start their own client service business in particular? Okay, so my biggest advice is totally don't think about how big I want this business to grow, the business plan, how much money I'm going to make, like all of these factors. You've got to it's really, really simple. Just bring it right back. Like, as you said, the operative wordy client-based business, it's all about that client. 
it's all about um, the personal touches that you give when you're providing them that service um, and making it a really special experience for them so that they leave, leave there feeling amazing. And what do you do when you leave somewhere feeling amazing? As women, we can't help but tell anyone that will listen. <laughs> Um, so definitely it's all about the client experience. And if you get that right, then the success, the growth, the money, it's all going to happen by itself. Um, and the other thing I would say is in those early stages or even right the way through is, um, offer something unexpected with your service. So I used to, when I was running the business from home at the end of the service, I had these little bags that I put a heart shaped chocolate in and just these cheap combs that I bought from somewhere with a little thank you note. Um, and they would be so grateful because it was unexpected and it really made them remember that service. Mm, and I think that that sentiment still echoes right through to where you are now, Alia, because I know in salon, you don't just offer a tea or coffee. You're like, do you want to a platter like do you want some snacks and you'll bring out pretzels and cheese and all sorts of things and again it's just that little added nicety yeah and like remembering you know the conversation that you had with that person and you know what they were getting up to last time or um you know so often in our salon conversation turns to things that are completely not hair related but because it's such a female environment they've left there going oh, I know where to go on my trip to Bali or I know where there's a good cosmetic tattooist or, you know, it's like a really personal female type of environment that you leave there feeling good. Um, and the other th advice that I would offer to women that are wanting to get into a client-based business is don't be daunted by the fact that there's so many other people doing that thing that you want to do. Um, so, you know, whether it's, I mean, as my example, hair extensions. There was already so many salons offering hair extensions on the Gold Coast. But, you know, people are always searching for the place that suits them and their needs. And, you know, there's, there's so many different people out there. There's not going to be just that one business that suits everybody. So definitely don't be daunted by any competition that might be out there. It might be your little touch or the special way that you do things that clients, are, that particular client loves and there'll be more of that type of client. Mm, I love that. It's so true. Because like you said, there are a lot of, you know, Gold Coast-based extension businesses, but it's about understanding that, as long as you have an abundance mindset and not a scarcity mindset, you're going to see those opportunities to stay in your own lane and not focus on what other people are doing. And I do love how focused on your clients you are. And I have seen it in action. Obviously I am a client. And when I was there last, most recently, not too long ago, there was a power outage, like oh, the gosh. whole area <laughs> of your salon, not just your salon, like the whole suburb lost yes. power, right? Yes. And Alia is so cool, calm and collected. I have to tell you guys, she just like gets on the phone straight away, organizes generators. Next thing you know, gentlemen are turning up with generators so that she can have power for the blow dryer and the fans. And just, I know that I'm sure it was a case of, you know, you looked calm on the surface and you were paddling hard under the water there but you were so focused on the clients and making sure that their service could still go ahead. Whereas I'm certain that a lot of other businesses in that instance would have been like, Oh, well the power's out. We're just going to have to sit tight. You were just 
all hands on deck solving the problems. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, I mean, we've had other disasters in the sun. We had a hot water burst one time and the salon flooded, but the show must go on. We just moved everyone to the other side of the salon where it wasn't flooded and we can, the girls continued. And I think um, this is a real credit for my staff too. When they see me cool, calm and collected, like you said, they go, okay, well, she's got it under control so we can continue on. But, like, most definitely in any situation, the client comes first and, you know, they've taken time out of their day to come and get their hair done. We can't send them home with half wet hair or with, with without what they've come to get done. So I will do everything in my power to make sure that we can complete that service for them. Even when we have power outages and floods and whatever, we will do our best to make sure you leave with your hair done that day. So I appreciate you um, your patience on that day, Kylie. It was so hot in the salon, but luckily we were only without power for a couple of hours. But that's just kind of how my mind works. I'm definitely a problem solver. So the minute a problem arises, right, what can we do to fix this? Yeah, which again, it's just a testimony to taking those actions, isn't it? But while, yeah, we, are, while we are on the topic of your clients leaving happy with their hair, could you just tell our community about why the method of extensions that you offer is different? Because I feel like we'll get a lot of questions surrounding that. Yeah, sure. So uh, we specialize in the sewing weft method of extensions. Um, basically how that works is we do a braid, a small braid in your hair that is reinforced. So it's a stronger foundation for the hair and we attach a weft of hair. So a weft is similar to what you might see clip-on hair extensions, like a whole piece, um, rather than your individual methods, which is like your beads or your tapes. Um, so there's no glue involved, there's no tape, there's no metal beads. It's literally just your hair that's braided, which is then reinforced um, with some special wool that we put in there. And then that weft of hair, like that curtain or piece, is stitched onto that braid. Now, our wefts we have specially developed over the last decade to be the flattest wefts on the market. Um, and I'm constantly researching on how we can even improve them more. But because they're so flat, it means you can wear your hair up in a ponytail or a bun or an up style without having like the, you know, the tapes flipping out or the, the beads bulging out. And even very different to say what your clip-ins are, they're not as bulky at the top. So, you know, they do sit nice and smooth. Um, they're quite light on the head, so they're easy to style as well. Um, you don't have them individually stuck all over, so you can brush your hair quite easily, run your fingers through. So it's a lot more natural method of hair extensions than what had previously been around um, all those years ago. Um, there are a lot of places starting to pop up these days that are offering weaves with beads, we still stick to the traditional method of the braid um, because we have tried and tested that and we find the best results for our clients with doing it that way. We don't feel that there's been enough research or people have been doing the other way for long enough, so we'll stick to what we know for now. Um, but it definitely comes down to the way that they're installed with the braid and our particular type of special hair wefts that are super flat at the tops. Yeah, and that's exactly what I have in my hair and I love them. I've had every other method available pretty much other than the type that's the weft with the beads. I've had keratin, I've had the tape, I've had the micro beads, I've had all sorts and 100% your method is amazing and that's where my girlfriends go and 
I love it. So I thought we'd just touch on that because I feel like I'll get questions and I wanted to make sure it was explained correctly. Um, yeah. Now, the other thing that you mentioned is, of course, when women or anyone really leave a space and they're very happy with something, they go and tell people in their community. And nowadays with social media, that's where we're telling people. So how important is social media for your business, you know, in this day and age? And how do you sort of leverage that? Yes. So I don't think show off would be where it is today or it wouldn't have got there as quickly without social media. As I mentioned earlier, it was Facebook back when we started was massive. Um, and Instagram only really came in maybe a year or so before uh, we, we got into the salon. And um, definitely back then it was easier to grow your business through social media. Um, you know, we didn't have the paid ads. It was, it was quite organic. And, um, you know, if you posted something, it would be seen in chronological order. So anyone that was on Instagram would see it straight away. They'd usually like it. People uh, weren't so tight with their likes back then. <laughs> um, and then that would mean that we'd then get a whole bunch of new followers. Um, I just, yeah, definitely think social media is a good way of getting in touch with your people and the people that want your services. Um, it was, as I said, it was a lot easier back then because people weren't so jaded by social media. Um, even back then we didn't call influencers influencers, um, but we did have a lot of girls coming to the salon that were starting to grow their following and had a lot of followers and that were getting their services done and they would post that they'd been at our salon and then we would get a lot more interest after them doing a post. Um, the other thing I would say with social media is, you know, if you do have a business and, you know, you are trying to grow your following or get more customers, don't overthink it. I think these days there's so many courses on how to grow your Instagram following and how to make a six-figure business through Instagram. Just post what genuinely comes from your heart and the message you want to get across to you know your potential clients um rather than overthinking it too much because we quite often have clients that will say to us i've been following you guys for two years and now i've decided that i want hair extensions um so you know while you're posting this stuff saying my my following's not growing or we're not getting enough interest there's people that are like silently watching from home scrolling through their feed that might see your stuff pop up every day and not take any action and then all of a sudden something arises in their life and they're like I need hair extensions yeah so just communicating and for lack of a better expression kind of chipping away and just putting that you keep sharing and sharing and sharing and knowing that it does get received eventually like you know you know what I mean like it, it will be received by the wider community, but you don't actually know who's absorbing it, even if they're not liking the post. So you might put a, you know, a post up and it's a before and an after and you think, oh, it didn't get much traction, but it could be the one before and after that pushes someone over the edge to picking up the phone and then they go on to become a lifetime client. So it's invaluable. Yeah, totally. Like that happens to us a lot. And I think, you know, you can be quite daunted and even for me now, like with some other business ideas that I've had it like had that, oh, how am I going to get people following and liking the page and liking our stuff and grow the business through social media? But you just kind of have to not overthink it. Post the kind of content that you think you would want to see as a customer or the type of customer that you're trying to attract. 
and just put it out there. I think there's a fine line, well, for me anyway, when I'm on Instagram between posting too little so you're not seeing someone's stuff and then posting too much when someone's popping up on your, like you're, when you're scrolling all the time and it can get a little bit annoying. But finding that fine line where, you know, I'm, I've just had a baby and I used to scroll, I've followed some businesses that deal with like, you know, baby type things, but because I thought, oh, that looks cute or that's cool. But at that time it wasn't relevant for me, but all of a sudden now I'm buying stuff from these businesses. Yeah, I love that. It's definitely social media is 100% such a useful tool for businesses. Um, And you've touched on this as well in terms of speaking about giving your clients, you know, a surprise or some sort of, I guess, for lack of a better expression, a surprise and delight when they're in salon. How are some other ways that you keep your clients coming back? Um, I think um, the whole under-promise, over-deliver. So like you said, that's sort of like the surprise or the unexpected gift. But, you know, being really genuine and real about what their expectations are with their hair um, and um, not trying to, like, push products or services onto them unless they genuinely really, really need them uh, would be one way. Um, We always reach out to clients that have been coming quite regularly if we haven't seen them in a while and they're always happy to hear from us, like, oh, yeah, you know, I totally forgot to book my last appointment. Thank you so much for calling. So definitely following up with the clients that we already have. Um, I think they would be the main, main sorts of things. And just, yeah, being really genuine about, caring for their hair so not only do we give clients hair extensions in our salon and that's what we specialize in but one of our our big beliefs is to care for the hair that you have so your natural hair so we're all about um giving tips and tricks to the clients about how they can get their own hair healthier um being really transparent with them if we see if we're noticing any issues with the hair to try and stop it in their tracks you know like if someone that we notice their hair is getting a little bit like thinner or drier um, because they, you know, might be going through something or they're they're not using the right products is just really educating them. Um, And quite often we will have clients say, oh, I never knew I was supposed to be using that product at my old salon that I used to go to. They never used to, you know, tell me any of this stuff. So, um, yeah, not only are we trying to give like clients hair extensions so they can have long, thick hair for now, but we really care about them growing their own hair and we often say if we can get your hair to the point that it's long enough and thick enough that you don't need our hair extensions we're actually happy because that means that we've really really done our job you leave happy and um you might not need to come to us anymore but you might have friends that do absolutely And so you also have grown to having a team of women working for you. And I think it's really unique because when I'm in salon, I notice how your staff members really weave in and support each other. It's not as though when you walk in the door, you're assigned to one hairdresser and that's the only hairdresser you interact. Everyone is helping everyone to make sure the job gets done to the best of the salon's ability. And so I would love to know as well, because I know that you come in and out of the salon what are some challenges that you've had with staff because women are wonderful and we're amazing but we're also hormonal and we're emotional and you know we have our own kind of I guess tricky tricky moments at times so what have been some challenges that you've been met with 
um, and how do you overcome those? Uh, yeah, so I would definitely say as the team has grown and got bigger, so I started off with one staff member, then two, and we sort of sat at that for a couple, like a year or so, and then that grew to three or four within the first couple of years. And I think now we've got a team of six because I'm not in the salon so much, so we've needed the extra help. Um, but definitely in the early days, not having much structure, for the girls, you know, you'd think it would be really awesome and cool to work in a business where there's not rules or structure, but, you know, a lot of the time structure is is what is needed for staff, um, you know, so everyone feels like things are fair and, you know, they, they know what the boundaries are. So definitely not having that structure in the beginning, not having those policies and procedures, but, you know, as a new business owner, you kind of, create these policies and procedures as you go along because a problem will pop up and then you need to create a procedure or a policy around that. So that would probably be the most challenging thing at the start. I guess just as you said, in general, having a team of women, we all have our days (laughs) Um, and we quite often get comments about the fact that we do work so well as a team. So a real credit to my team that, you know, it is a really uh, down-to-earth environment. There's no bitchiness. It's not tolerated, but it's never been an issue for us anyway. Um, but, you know, if someone is having a day, like this is where I kind of put my friend hat on and not my boss hat, um, and I'll pull them aside and say, and I'm quite intuitive with those sorts of things too. Um, I knew two of my girls were pregnant before they even knew, which was quite funny. Um, but I'd just be like, hey, what's going on today? You don't seem like yourself and just like, let's go have a chat at the cafe next door. And, you know, sometimes even just pulling someone aside and asking them what's going on and the fact that you care to do that is enough for them to realise, oh, gosh, I have been a bit off my game today or maybe I've been a little bit moody or whatever. Um, So, yeah, there's that. And I guess the other thing I learnt pretty early in business, as much as I am a really friendly boss and and I'm a nice boss and probably a lot more easygoing than what other salon owners might be, um, that there is a line and at the end of the day, you can't take things personally. Um, You are a boss and a business owner and, you know, you can't have too much of a friendship outside of the salon with your staff because it can start to blur the lines. Like, don't get me wrong, we socialise, we have we do dress up days in the salon. We love to dress up for Halloween. We have amazing Christmas parties where everyone gets really crazy. But it, it, it is like if you are a business owner that employs staff, I do feel like it can be hard in the beginning to not draw that line between I want to be your friend or I want to be your boss. Really good advice. And I would love to know, do you have any future plans sort of on the on the horizon for the whole show-off empire for the for your business? Uh, so definitely to keep doing what we're doing. Um, I used to think that I wanted to have multiple locations and that's not to say that that's never going to happen. But what I've realised for me is I don't really want the status of being this super successful business owner with multiple locations and this big brand. For me, about, for me it's about having the freedom when I'm like, having my own business that gives me the freedom to do certain things that I'd like to do that I wouldn't be able to do if I was employed by somebody else. 
Um, so, you know, the future plans are definitely to keep growing, show off and being the best at what we do and constantly improving. Um, because we were like the first salon on the coast to offer the method that we do, we do get asked a lot to um, offer training and workshops on our method. Um, so that's definitely in the works uh, to start offering some sort of either online education or in-person education for salons and stylists. So that's going to be happening. Um, I'm about to open a little salon in Bali because that's where my husband is from and we've already got the location. So that will be happening this year. So that's pretty exciting. That is so exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, it's not going to be like another show off. It's going to be a salon in its own right. It'll be quite different because the needs over there are different. But, you know, I'm sure a lot of our clients from here that travel to Bali, if they want somewhere trusted that they can go and get a wash or a blow dry or treatment, um, that they'll be able to go there. But I just thought because I spend a lot of time in Bali now, I just wanted a little project. Um, and there was definitely, once again, like, you know, when I first started my business, there's a need. I get asked all the time by tourists over there, like, where's good for a blow dry? Where's good for a treatment? So I thought, oh, well, maybe I can just open a little salon then. Well, Bali's such a hot spot. Like that's, you know, it's where everyone's going these days for retreats and for their, you know, for holidays and whatnot. So that's an amazing idea. Will you be doing extensions over there as well or are you just focusing um, on? Maybe eventually, but I just want yeah. to focus on what like the main needs that I'm hearing from people are at the moment, which is someone that's a blonde specialist that can, you know, if they needed to get a touch up of their colour, um, you know, treatments uh, a lot of people's hair turned green in bali from going in the hotel or villa pool so somewhere that they can call when they've got a hair disaster and we know how to deal with it um, i think extensions definitely will come down the track but that won't be the main focus of the start it'll be more like color styling and treatments so exciting just because you need something else to do <laughs> considering that i know right you are I know, right? Just just load it up, Alia. But you are also a new mum to a beautiful, beautiful baby boy who I need to see in real life and give him a big squeeze. But in photos, my gosh, he's so adorable. Um, how are you finding this new season of your life, managing having a newborn and, you know, just the whole balance of also being a business owner and a wife and, and everything? How are you managing it all? Uh, a lot better than I thought I would. Like for so long, I was so scared of becoming a mum because I just looked at other mums and how they juggled things and thought, oh my gosh, I, can't, I won't be able to do that. That It looks like such hard work and like how am I going to run a business and be a mum? But I'm the biggest believer in, you know, the universe letting everything happen at the right time. And you know, it definitely has its moments and like, you know, the because he's 12 weeks on Friday, like today actually. Um, so, you know, it's definitely had its moments in the last couple of months, like sleepless nights and things like that. But um, I'm very lucky that I'm at the point with my business where I have a really good team. I have an amazing right-hand woman who's in charge of things when I'm not in the salon. Like she's an absolute godsend. I'm so grateful for her. Um, so, you know, the, the work-life balance at the moment isn't that bad. I do find myself wanting to go into the salon all the time still. Um, and I've even taken Kingston in, in a few times, but he's, you know, he gets restless. So we can't really do that. Um, but, you know, I, I do feel like 
I, I wouldn't be happy to just be a stay-at-home mum. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I definitely need to have that that interaction, you know, with clients and my team and things like that. But, you know, I'm, I'm managing okay. I truly thought it was going to be a lot more difficult than what it is. And I, I know there's probably some working mums out there that are probably having a bit of a chuckle right now, like, oh, girl, it's only just begun because he's only three months. You haven't hit toddler stage. But, you know, I take each day as it comes, I think. Yeah, and I think that it's okay to celebrate your wins. I it, Often as women, we sort of are so quick to be like, oh, it's going well, but I'm aware that it could not. But it's okay to just be like, you know what? It's actually going well for now and to really own that. So I love hearing that and I'm so happy to hear that. Thank and, you. Oh, my pleasure. Um, I, something I've been asking people that I'm interviewing lately Alia is this question and the reason that I'm asking this question is because I feel as though as women we often lose touch with this side of ourselves because we have so many different moving parts from being mum to working to all of the roles that we play but I would love to know what do you do for fun what is your idea of having a really fun time and how often do you get to connect to that fun side of yourself well, this is a really interesting question because I was—I kind of have to ask myself that being a new mum. I'm not too sure just yet, but the Alia pre-baby, well, she loves a good cocktail. Um, Bali, I'm in Bali a lot. Like Bali's my second home and I have a lot of fun over there. So I love, you know, I love having a good dance, going to a beach club, those sorts of things. Um but when I'm not in Bali, the things that I would do on the weekend is I, I love to read um, a lot about, you know, the subjects we were talking about before, spirituality, um, anything, you know, I, I hate to use the term self-help, but like about growth and manifesting those types of subjects. Um, I'm an avid Googler. <laughs> so I literally <laughs> enjoy hopping on Google and looking up random things that have popped into my head during the day and getting like stuck in a bit of a rabbit hole of Google and just like, you know, I've got endless curiosity basically. I just want to know about the world and everything in it. So um, there's that. And I'm, and I love just brainstorming ideas and thinking about the possibilities of maybe I could turn that into a business or a hobby or something like that. But yeah, I'm, I'm yet to know like what I do for fun with, Kingston that's my my bub um we're going over to Bali in a couple of weeks so that might be a little bit of a different trip this time but he's he's a very chill baby so I'm sure he won't mind mum dragging him around to a, a few beach clubs and things like that <laughs> I love it all thank you for sharing because I think that that's such a nice a nice mixture of going you know what one version of fun is going out and having drinks and a dance and you know that sort of thing and then another version of fun for you is reading those books and like you said being an avid googler I was smiling when you were saying that because before we started recording Alia was saying she had just googled how to be a good podcast guest totally I love you that's so cool I think Um, like um if people had a chance to look at my google search history they would be like wow what goes on in this woman's head but you know (laughs) I love it. And okay, I'm a big so socializer. So, like, you know, the going out, it sort of, um, you know, it, it gives, it nourishes that part of my soul. I love to socialize, but then there's also a very introverted side to me, and I'm sure you can relate to this. That I, I literally love just being in my own company. 
Um, and I, I could do a whole weekend. I mean, obviously with Bob now, but just by myself and I don't have to see or talk to anyone and I just be reading and on the internet and researching and doing all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And it's so nice to be in touch with both sides, both facets of your personality. And like you said, meeting the needs of the socializer within you, but also having an awareness of going, okay, the introvert within me now needs to go home and Google to meet that need. So I love to hear that. That's great. And last but not least, I wanted to just end today's chat with a series of rapid fire questions, which is what I've been doing lately with interview guests, because I feel like it's just a nice way to get to know you a little bit and end on a lighter note. So I have, I think, seven or so questions. So I'll get stuck into them. Sure. Firstly, what is your go-to cafe order? Like, what's your standard order? <laughs> I feel so order? extra saying this, but it's an almond milk iced latte uh, decaf. Oh, my gosh, it's the same as mine. <laughs> Love Sometimes that. Sometimes I'll, right. I'll add a stevia sweetener if I'm feeling special. Yes, I think it all depends on if you feel that your order was heard because it's such a lengthy order. It's like... Will I confuse them by adding an extra step here? Totally. <laughs> um, next is, are you a sweet or savoury person? Oh, I would definitely say I'm a massive sweet tooth, but since having bub, I'm starting to like savoury a bit more. So I don't know if the hormones has changed something. Interesting. In one word, how would you describe your style or your daily uniform? Uh, leopard print. <laughs> leopard mm-hmm. print and black. Thrown in with a little bit of uh, like random barley dresses, and yeah, I don't really, I don't really know if I have a style, but definitely leopard print. Love that. What are your words to live by, or your favorite quote? Oh, this is a hard one. So many, but one that I always tell my staff is literally just three words. You got this. Love that. And what is your worst habit? Worst habit, uh, maybe being an overthinker. And um, maybe my husband can vouch for this. I'm really not that domesticated. He's the cook and he does a bit of the washing too. And what is your best habit? Best habit. Um, I think that, I'm, that I can uh, definitely make something out of nothing and I'm a big problem solver. So um, maybe just, uh, oh, this is a hard one. Sorry, I'm rambling a bit here, but... Uh, I'd say my best habit is being able to make connections with people and and networking, those sorts of things. And lastly, what keeps you aligned? What keeps me aligned? What keeps you feeling centred? I would say time on my own is really important for me. Um, Just, yeah, time on my own, definitely when it's needed uh and time in nature so you know being able to put your feet in the grass or the sand really you know reconnects me and you know yeah with that time alone too such a great answer alia you have been an absolutely pleasure an absolute pleasure to talk to today um i wanted to just say a massive massive thank you for making time in your day because i do know how busy you are but i think a lot of women will be able to take a lot from your advice and your experience. So thank you for sharing your story and your journey here with us today. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And I, and, um, I just love that I've had the opportunity that there's somebody else maybe out there that's like me, that this they might hear this podcast and think, well, if she did it, I can do it too. 
Absolutely. And where can people connect with you? Where can they find you? So um, on Instagram, uh, the business page is showoff underscore hair. And sorry for the shameless plug, Kylie, but if any of your listeners are wanting to come and get hair extensions, just drop Kylie's name and we will give them $50 off their first full colour or extension service. Um, and if they want to find me and look at all my leopard print and barley photos, it's alia.watson on Instagram. Beautiful. Thank you. That's very, very generous. And I'll be sure to pop all of that info in the show notes as well. Amazing. Thanks so much, Kylie. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.